Welcome to the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, and I'm here to tell you about some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters that have made an impact on the Central California Valley community. Are you ready to hear a notorious Bakersfield story? Good. Let's get started. If it's Tuesday, it's time for another Notorious Bakersfield story. Welcome to the 21st episode of this podcast. Today's episode will cover actually two stories. And since it's the week of Halloween, they'll both have a Halloween theme. But before I jump into this episode, I need to plug the Notorious Bakersfield Halloween Tour. If you haven't done it, you only have until Halloween. It won't be available to purchase after October 31st. The Halloween Tour is a self-paced audio driving tour to some of Bakersfield's historical crime scene locations and purported haunted sites. You can purchase the tour for $20. If you'd like more information, email NotoriousBakersfield at gmail.com. There's no space between Notorious and Bakersfield. For this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast, I'm going to take a look back at how people of Bakersfield responded to the 1938 radio adaptation of War of the Worlds. This is considered one of the biggest Halloween pranks ever played on a mass of people. But was it really? Did that many people really fall for this prank? In addition to that, I'll also tell the story of the Kelly Vahada House, a Victorian Bakersfield home that's been moved twice and is still standing. It gained notoriety in the 1970s because of its supposed paranormal activities. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the director of the Mercury Theater and star of these broadcasts, Orson Welles. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, yet as mortal as his own. If you had your radio tuned to the Columbia Broadcasting System Radio Network, better known as CBS Today, on October 30th, 1938 at 8 p.m., you would have heard that, Orson Welles' opening monologue for an episode of the Mercury Theater on the Air. For this particular episode, on Halloween Eve, an adaptation of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds was being performed. The program began with Orson Welles' monologue that led into what they described as a live musical performance. This musical performance kept getting interrupted by breaking news bulletins regarding strange happenings on the planet of Mars. These bulletins and eyewitness accounts sounded convincing and authentic. With each program interruption of supposed breaking news, each bulletin brought increasingly concerning news. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving toward the Earth with enormous velocity. Professor Pearson of the observatory at Princeton confirms Farrell's observation and describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun, unquote. We now return you to the music of Ramon Raquello playing for you in the Meridian Room of the Park Plaza Hotel situated in downtown New York. There were reports of explosions on Mars, and that was followed by a filled report by a cylindrical object falling on a farm in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. The panicked reporter gives a live report for the radio listeners from the scene. He describes how onlookers and police officials are observing this object when Martians emerge. And these Martians are not coming in peace. They emerge from the spaceship and begin attacking with a heat ray. The reporter is in the middle of describing the scene when his audio feed is cut. We now return you to Carl Phillips at Grover's Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, my on? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, here I am, back of a stone wall that adjoins Mr. Wilmer's garden. From here, I get a sweep of the whole scene. I'll give you every detail as long as I can talk and as long as I can see. More state police have arrived. They're drawing up a cordon in front of the pit. About 30 of them. No need to push the crowd back now. They're willing to keep their distance. The captain's conferring with someone. Can't quite see who. Oh, yes, I believe it's Professor Pearson. Yes, it is. Now, now they've parted, and the professor moves around one side, studying the object while the captain and two policemen advance with something in their hands. I can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole. Flag of truce. If those creatures know what that means, what anything means... Wait a minute, something's happening. A humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from that mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. The Lord, they're turning into flames. Now the whole field's caught up by the woods. The bars, the, the gas tank, tanks of the automobiles are spreading everywhere. It's coming this way now. about 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. Of course, this was fiction, but it was being presented as true and happening live while radio audiences listened. Reportedly, this caused much concern to the unsuspecting listening audience. There were reports of people fleeing their homes in terror, some have reported that people even committed suicide rather than be killed by Martians. I'm skeptical of this, and so are many historians. I searched archive newspapers from across the country. Many reported about these suicides, but none of them identified a single individual who supposedly committed suicide. Not one. Police officials reported that people were calling in to get information about how best to survive a Martian attack, like the police would know. Should they go outside or stay inside? Nobody knew. But 
It was estimated that some 12 million people tuned in to listen to this particular episode of the Mercury Theater on air. But journalism professors have recently reevaluated that estimate and speculate that the audience was much smaller. There's also recent skepticism about how widespread this panic was. Journalism historians speculate that newspaper publishers hyped and exaggerated the few incidences of panic to push for more regulations of this new emerging media competition, radio. I wanted to look back to see how the good people of Bakersfield responded to this theatrical prank. Was there panic across the city? Did people run in and out into the streets? So I turned to Bakersfield's only local documentation of this event, the Bakersfield Californian. The October 31st, 1938 edition of the Bakersfield Californian ran a front page Associated Press story about the radio drama. They also included one paragraph about the local reaction. This is what the Californian printed the day after. Quote, Although many Bakersfield radio listeners heard the stirring dramatization of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, which threw much of the nation into a panic last night, they took it much more calmly. They showed more interest in Panic New Jersey than they did in the broadcast itself. Local police headquarters and other emergency centers reported few calls from excited listeners to the broadcast. Unquote. So it doesn't seem people in Bakersfield were too upset about this Halloween prank. It's not often an entire house is moved. It's even less common for a house to be moved twice in its lifetime. But that's the story of the Kelly Vahada house. In 1976, Pete D'Armond, then a reporter for the Bakersfield Californian, did an investigation into this home's history. The exact year it was built is not known, but thanks to Pete's research, we know it once sat on the northeast corner of I Street and 13th Street, just south of the downtown Bakersfield Police Department and west of Chester Avenue. When it was on I Street, a family named Kelly bought the home in the 1890s. In 1949, the Kelly family sold the home to a buyer who wanted to relocate it to 231 Real Street. In order to move the house, the structure had to be cut in half and reassembled in its new location. 231 Real Road is right near where Highway 58 dead-ended at the Wild West Shopping Center. But the home was moved to that address years before the shopping center and the freeway were constructed. At its real road location, the home changed ownership several times until Frederick and Ann Vahada bought the 19th century structure in 1960. From 1963 to 1974, the Vahadas rented their home out to various tenants. According to Mrs. Vahada, 
One tenant committed suicide in the home, and in 1970, another tenant murdered her husband at the next-door neighbor's house in the neighbor's bed. In 1974, a fire damaged 25% of the home. The Vahadas intended to restore the home, but a series of family illnesses and deaths hampered those restoration plans. For over a year, the neglected and derelict home sat. Because of the tragedies associated with the spooky, fire-damaged Victorian, it acquired a reputation of being haunted, and this reputation attracted curious trespassers and vandals. In September 1976, the now-widowed Mrs. Vahada was given a 10-day deadline to get the necessary permits to either raise or repair the home. In October, Mrs. Vahada decided to auction the house with one stipulation. The winning bidder had to move the structure from its real road lot. Mrs. Vahada was interviewed by Pete Darman about the auction and the house's history, and she was very frank about the ghost that inhabited the home. Playing up to the home's notoriety, the auction was advertised in classified ads that promoted its haunted reputation. The auction was held in October 1976, and the highest bidder was from another family named Kelly, Jacob Kelly's family. The bid was $525. Jacob Kelly hired a house moving company. Once again, the structure was cut in half and moved for a second time. It was moved to a location in East Bakersfield on Pioneer Drive, on the north side of Pioneer Drive near Violin. It still stands there today, and according to neighborhood legend, the old Victorian's haunted reputation is as hardy as the structure itself. Resources used for researching this episode were the Bakersfield Californian, the infamous War of the Worlds radio broadcast was a magnificent fluke, smithsonian.com. The War of the Worlds panic was a myth by telegraph.com. November 3rd, 2018. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast, and I'll be back next week with another Notorious Bakersfield story. And everybody have a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween!